hi welcome back to talking in the rain if this is your first time hello my name is Saira Unju I am your host and today my guest is interdisciplinary artist Amberly Perkin um she is also an art educator which I should mention because we do talk about teaching and schools and the public school system a little uh Amberly and I talked about the Create Arts Festival which is a two-day interactive art making event so on July 22nd it's happening in Strathcona Park and it is ticket they have ticketed workshops and Amberly is teaching one of the workshops and on the 23rd the activities are moving indoors and immersing participants in the art production spaces in neighboring Eastside Studios with again ticketed art making workshops you can buy tickets at createartsfestival.ca and besides the festival Amberly and I talked about well being a teacher uh we talked about her art how she found her style how she found her voice and I do want to mention that around the 30 minute mark uh we start talking about death cancer and dealing with grief as Emberly's art is very much inspired by those things and her experiences with those things and so if you think that might be um, too much for you if you are currently dealing with grief and don't want to hear people talk about their own experiences with death um, listen until the 30 minute mark and then you can leave afterwards. I give you permission. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> but yeah, I really enjoy talking to Amberly. And also, happy 10 episodes. Happy 10th episode. Hell yeah. <laughs> Anyways, enjoy. Thank you for coming. I will start off by asking you about the Create Arts Festival and the workshop that you will be running for that festival. Yeah, thanks for having me, Sarah. The Create Arts Festival has been running for a few years now. Um, it's put on by the Eastside Art Society. And um, mainly what I do is I run the, the kids' workshops. There's a couple of them, but I do the clay workshops with the children. I have a long history of teaching, and mm -hmm. I've taught high school for 12 years, which I love. But I also used to teach like day camps and things forever ago with little kitties. And so I really enjoy in the summer with the Create Arts Festival, it's geared more towards um, smaller kids. So five to 12. And then I think there's a there's a teen one as well that runs that's um, maybe like 13 to 16 year olds. Um, the festival's awesome. It's really accessible for the community. So um, there's lots of different kind of arts activities people can sign up for that are really affordable. And um, you don't even, you don't need to bring anything. You just bring yourself and a willingness to make things. So there's, I don't like there's mosaics and painting and um, different kind of clay things and indigo dye. Um, so lots of different things that people can sign up for if you're uh, an experienced artist or a novice. So it's a fantastic opportunity for people to get into the arts and I love yeah. meeting new people and uh, yeah so it's a lot of fun how long are the workshops usually uh, they're about an hour each yeah hour? so we run three yeah there's a breaks in between but they're an hour mm -hmm. each um ooh, the older ones might be a little bit longer I'm sorry if mm -hmm. I'm forgetting we do it like once a year so yeah yeah, yeah so around <laughs> an, hour, an hour or maybe a little bit more each so you can really kind of dig in and have a great time and it's in the yeah. park and it's sunny and happy so it's a good time Amazing. yeah yeah it sounds like a great time have you been involved with this festival before yeah actually um yeah I have been in it since the beginning so um oh. Aaron Frizzle uh is um one of the kind of directors at the Eastside Art Society and I met her through the Eastside Culture Crawl. So my studio um, has been in that for a few years now. And Erin was wandering through and I met her and then they actually were putting together the proposal for the Creates Art Festival. Um, and she asked me if I could be a part of that, if they could kind of use my bio um, as an arts educator and experienced teacher as one of the workshop leaders to apply for the grant for the festival. So yeah, I was kind of a part of it from the very beginning. And uh, yeah, it's been great. It's been an honor and really fun. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's so exciting to see how it evolves, you know, over time. 
Yeah. Yeah. And about your the workshop that you will be running specifically, you said it's mm. a clay workshop. Is there like a specific thing that you will be making or are the children encouraged to try out different things? Yeah, no, because we're on a specific time frame, we offer mm -hmm. kind of very specific um, activities for them. So the one that I've done um, with the kids, the younger, the two younger classes, um, they make these ceramic mobiles um, or like mm -hmm. a hanging kind of thing that you put on the wall. So I pre-make all of the play pieces for them. They're 2D shapes, like circles and but all sorts of other things like butterflies and stars and, you know, bears. Um, and so I actually pre-cut out all of those and then bisque fire them. So they have become, they've moved from clay to stone. So they're now ceramic pieces um, and they all have little holes in them. So the kids pick their pieces uh, and then they paint them with acrylic paint. And then we have string and beads. And then um, they can either go like find a stick if there's some sticks that are around or I have dowels and they attach them and they hang them. So they can be hung outside or inside. And yeah, so it's kind of, it's, it's set up for them. Um, and then the older kids, they actually, I roll out slabs of clay for them. Um, so we have a bunch of slabs of, of wet clay. And then they actually, I have a bunch of cookie cutters. They can either use cookie cutters. I have tons of fun, different shapes, or they can also um, actually kind of design their own shape and then just cut them out of the clay. So they kind of make their own pieces from the clay. And then we let them dry for just a really short time. And then they use underglaze and paint them. And then from then on my work is not done when the workshop is over so I go and I bisque fire them for them um, and I also put on the clear coat and then they actually come back to my studio at a later date uh, and they can come and kind of finish up the pieces um, as well so there's our they have it's a bit more um, mm -hmm. advanced for them in a sense and because they have yeah skill to do that yeah yeah, yeah. That all sounds very fun, though. Mm -hmm. um, and this studio you mentioned, is that the um, the studio you run, Studio 116? Yes. Yeah, I um, opened Studio 116 right at the beginning of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, so we're Studio 116 because we're actually at 116 East Pender. <laughs> so makes it easy. Um, but our name is spelled out. Yeah, the studio was actually totally serendipitous. Um, I was completing my MFA at Emily Carr. Um, I had been teaching for 10 years at that point as a high school art teacher, but I really wanted to push my practice further and also be surrounded by other grown-up art brains, you know, <laughs> um, and to think critically about art making. So I decided to go back to school for a few years. And, um, but then I was also a pandemic grad. So that very sadly meant that literally two weeks before our final thesis defense, which includes your written thesis, but also your final exhibition of, of the artwork you had made as visual artists, that all got canceled. So two weeks before, so they kicked us out of the school. I mean, everyone was kicked out, you know, like it just, they, they closed the school down and it was really devastating to be honest. Like I had a huge sculpture made of chicken wire and paper mache. The surface treatment is all of this relief printing I had done. Um, so I take rubbings of tree stumps and bark um, and yeah, and that becomes the, the prints that I use and I tear it up and I add it all to the sculpture. Um, mm -hmm. But anyways, none of the surface treatment was on and we just had to get out of the school. People had things in the kiln also, like we just had to get out because of the pandemic. So I brought my sculpture home, but I was devastated and, and didn't know what was going on, like everyone else at that time. Um, yeah. And so actually every night I would get on Craigslist and look for a studio space because I knew after my master's that I actually wanted a studio space. And I was also looking for another friend in my MFA, hoping we could get in the same building. Mm -hmm. um, and there wasn't really anything that fit. And then one night this ad came up for this space as a commercial space and it went up at 7 p.m. And I saw it at 11 and I emailed the realtor and he got back to me right away. And I saw it the next day and somehow it was affordable. It's in a like a lovely old, old building, um, <laughs> but it's a great space. And um, I signed the lease for it. And so then basically the during the pandemic when everything was shut down I was not bored um, because we were renovating it and so I've made five there's five different spaces and then we have a nice big like kind of community lounge when you come into um so yeah it was it was a really hard time but it also was like I said it was really serendipitous I feel so grateful to have this space and as the leaseholder I'm you know we're staying I'm not going to kick anyone out I'm not 
raising rent. I'm not doing any of that stuff. We're just here. And, um, and then we've been able to open up to become a part of the culture crawl um, and all these kind of fantastic opportunities that also are exciting for me as my career moves forward as an artist. So it, it turned out really well and yeah. happy to be here. Yeah. To be able to find something like this in a time where people, everyone was losing hope and had like, yeah. didn't have anything to hold on to really. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I feel, I feel super grateful really. And even every time I come into this space, I feel grateful. I just do. I don't take it for granted. And I love the community of artists that are here. Yeah. I feel very blessed that we found it and that I've been able to make this space because I love community. So I love that, yeah. you know, we have it and it it's added a new art space to Vancouver and that's fantastic. You know, it's very important. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And the artists that you share the space with, um, how did how did they get involved with the studio space? Yeah, so it was kind of a, there's different ways. Um, some of it was a few of them um, early on in my MFA. I had friends that came mm -hmm. from Emily Carr. And so that was like a connection there. And then, and then actually, yeah, there's some um, students from Emily Carr that came kind of after. So this is kind of big arts student and academic network. And then a couple of them were literally just through um, like Craigslist, I would, or I would put it out there for an artist space. And then I just meet the people and see if it's a good fit for us and for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I feel also really grateful just because I've made such good friendships. The people that I didn't know already, some of them, um, we have great friendships and um, it's so wonderful to be in this space and make work with them and alongside them. Um, yeah, so kind of a variety of ways, but really it's just it's the arts community kind of reaching out to each other. And um, yeah, nice. Yeah. Mm. And in your studio, you run art classes and workshops and not just work with there, right? <laughs> yes, correct. Yeah, oh. sometimes I do. Yeah. And so these classes and workshops are for people of all ages. I mm -hmm. believe you teach from, yeah, children and also adults. Mm -hmm. um, what are some some main differences you've noticed when it comes to people of different ages interacting with clay and creating something like children versus adults? Um, I mean, children just have kind of like a wild kind of creativity. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not all of them. Actually, some are very particular. You know, you can kind of see their temperament coming out. Um, clay is actually a really uh, unique and beautiful medium, I find, um, because it, it's there's something different that's happening when we kind of get our hands into something. And yeah. So like I said, sometimes kids will just, they just have like this energy where they just kind of go at it and they'll, you know, just like hands in, mooshing things around, just trying things out. Um, sometimes adults are a little bit more timid. Um, it depends, you know, if they haven't done a lot of art. I like to make classes that are really accessible, whether you have done any work with art or play before or, or not at all. And so sometimes people can be a little bit timid and adults even sometimes will ask for a little bit more direction, which is interesting. And that's, I think, just, you know, a, a bit of built-in nervousness. Um, but but clay is just, like I said, it's really wonderful. Like when people get into working with it, like hand building things, um, you can hand build mugs or um, vases, or um, also we sometimes I'll like have molds ready for them so they can work on plates and like do carving into them and painting. Um, and yeah, I think that clay is just a really engaging medium for, yeah. for everyone. They, yeah. Yeah. How long have you yourself been working with clay? Uh, well, with clay, I'm actually, it's a newer medium to me. Um, so my undergrad, um, I did both my undergrad and then my MFA at Emily Carr, but 10 years apart. Um, so my undergrad was painting and photography. Uh, and then I got my education degree and I taught for, you know, I've been teaching for 12 years now. So those were kind of my first two loves. And then, but just being a high school art teacher and having an interest in clay, I started taking classes like through just different kind of community centers or um, the, I was in Winnipeg one year and I took um, classes at the Surrey Art Gallery, or no, sorry, not the Surrey, the Winnipeg Art Gallery. Yep. And so I've, I've kind of taken classes myself um, along the way just to kind of upgrade. So I'd say now it might've it might be actually five or six years that I've been working with clay. So I've worked on the wheel, um, but I also really, I enjoy hand building a lot. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. For me, my sculptures, my, the sculptures that I do to share in a gallery, um, that's a different kind of focus than the work that I do mm -hmm. with clay. Clay, I love hand building um, functional objects. And I think um, sometimes it's kind of a nice break for me where my other work, um, it's very physical to make the large sculptures, mm -hmm. but there's also a big, like a heavy, 
conceptual and emotional component to those works. Whereas then I kind of switch and I work with clay and I make mugs or vases um, or plates and kind of just really beautiful aesthetic things that are very straightforward. And it's, it's a nice balance to be able to do both of those things. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. That's very interesting because I never really thought about that. <laughs> That's a good point. Well, I mean, art has all sorts of value to it, right? Yeah. All of us are creative, whether people say, oh, I'm not an artist or not. Usually mm-hmm. sometimes that actually, I found people think that that means they can't, they can or can't draw. And I'm like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. like no. creativity <laughs> is just this, like such a vast thing where humans have a curiosity and interest and want to make something from their imagination. They just want to make mm-hmm. it from nothing to something. That is kind of the basis of creativity. So we're all creative. Um, but then of course, yeah, there's creativity that's just done for us, for the enjoyment, for the growth. Um, and then maybe to make it for somebody or to share or to use it. And then there's mm-hmm. arts that actually help us understand deeper issues in society or help us tap into things in new ways. Um, or obviously all these different kind of aesthetic value of arts, like we have it mm-hmm. graphic design, industrial design, you know, like the arts are so vast. And so um, I think it's just really important that people value it and and also don't don't devalue it if you're just making something for the fun of it or for yourself. Yeah, That's totally exactly. as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, nothing I make is ever going to like see the <laughs> light of day. No, <laughs> never going to show it to other people, but I still make it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And that's wonderful. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, you make such a great point. <laughs> um, But going back to uh, you mentioned that you have been teaching for 12 years mm. and you are an art teacher. Uh, mm. Do do your students also tend to take like classes outside of school in your studio um well my students they the school that I teach at there's um, a lot of students that value the arts um quite highly and they are Mm -hmm. pursuing it after high school so I also teach AP visual arts Mm -hmm. um so these are kids yeah that they are working on a portfolio in order to get into an arts and design program um so a lot of them actually do take outside studio classes um, a lot, and they have for many years, actually. So they're quite excellent um, in their skill. My studio is in Chinatown in Vancouver, but I teach in South Surrey. So I actually mm. don't have a crossover of kids that come here to to learn from me. They just get me every day at school, which is fantastic. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> and I love being with them. Um, something that's really wonderful, though, is that like I've had kids come here um, to visit. So during the East Side Culture Crawl, you know, it's the studios are open to anyone who wants to come in. And I've had tons of kids come on like their own with their friends, if they're old enough or with their families to come through and get to see this space. And that's been really wonderful. And then they also come to my shows when I have openings around the city. Like I've had them in North Van. I've had them at the Reach Gallery, kind of different places. Um, I mean, the Reach Gallery is in Abbotsford. But um, yeah, they've they've actually come on the weekends. Like I'll just say, I'll be there if you want to come and check it out. And it is such a beautiful thing like I feel so proud and it also is really exciting because they're so excited about the work that I'm doing and I also really love that I can even model like you can do this like this could maybe be you you know if you work hard potentially get into galleries if that's one thing that you want to do Um, so it's really wonderful to share it with them and actually a recent piece, I I just came back from Alaska. So I have um, a huge paper installation. There's seven large pieces that are hanging in um, the International Gallery for Contemporary Art in Anchorage. And I was desperately trying to get it finished because I work full time. And then I come and I really do have a full time art practice. So it's it's a lot um, on my yeah. plate a lot to manage. And in the last month, I was pushing really hard to get this installation done um, so that I could send it to Anchorage. And um, a few of my AP kids actually said, oh, Miss P, my name's Mrs. Perkin. Um, (laughs) Miss P, do you think we could come and maybe see how you're making the installation? Like, would you like any help? And I was just like, wait a minute. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so I was like, I would actually love that. And so it became, it was actually so beautiful. I had a few kids that came and the sculptures are actually, they are um, made um, relief prints of cedar bark. So I was gifted some cedar bark um, and someone, yeah. And another tree stump that had cedar bark. And so 
peeled it off. And the artwork is actually in response to logging of ancient cedar trees um, on Haida Gwaii and the Pacific Northwest Islands. So um, the show is all about basically how colonialism affected the Pacific Northwest Islands, like the ecology and the mammals, um, because it's an art science crossover exhibition, which is really interesting. Um, so I was the only Canadian in the show too, which was really fantastic. Oh, wow. And I love nature. It's a part of my practice. I love trees. I work with them a lot. And so, yeah, so maybe a month ago, I had five kids here in the studio and they were like a printing production workshop. <laughs> It was it was amazing. And so I was so grateful to have them working with me. And I know many artists actually do sometimes have these production teams. So I was like, mm -hmm. OK, this is mine. Um, but they also nice. loved it. And then the fact that I can name them and say these kids have also been assistants in this work and they get their name beside this this artwork that's in Alaska. It's, it's such a reciprocal thing that's really exciting and beautiful um so they do they come sometimes and and sometimes just to hang out we've had end of year ap parties here where we eat and just have good times um and they love being in the studio and then other times they're yeah visiting for arts events or just all sorts of things so i i love it i love that they come and i get to share this this space with them it's so different than the classroom right um yeah, yeah it's, an, it's yeah. a real living mm -hmm. studio space yeah and it sounds like they really love you so yeah they do I love them a lot and then they love yeah. me back and so um I love teaching so much I I enjoy mentorship I love teenagers like not everyone does but they are in this yeah. hard time of life but they also have so much vision and enthusiasm um and and I love their passion for art. I, I want to help them grow and help them develop their own style, their own interests. Um, and yeah. so it's a real privilege to be able to do that with them. And also I bring in work to school too. So the, I'll bring in like often with my large sculptures, I have, I do small maquettes kind of trying to figure mm -hmm. out the forms and, and I often will bring those in and talk about them with the kids. And then we brainstorm together. And I think that there's, that's a really beautiful thing too, to be able to show yeah. them the process, um, but also get their feedback. And um, so it's a real kind of exciting back and forth relationship we have. And yeah, about the arts. Yeah, that's, that sounds amazing. And I feel like it sounds like you do more than just like painting in a art class because for oh, me yes. personally in my high school we did like for five years because I had prep here so it was five years for five years of high school I did just like painting in different mediums mm -hmm. and then we did paper mache once and that was it yeah and so yeah what so can you tell me more about that what oh, you do absolutely. in your art classes yeah yes I mean well I love actually kind of exploring many different mediums because kids might not connect with one certain medium um mm -hmm. you know we're all different and and there's a lot of students actually that also love 3d and 3d is a different way of thinking and making absolutely so you're thinking of things in the round and you're also so physical when you're building the, the actual object in whatever material you're working with yeah for a long time I think my whole teaching career really I actually have been very intentional in having the students explore many different mediums. So we'll do traditional, mm -hmm. you know, and technical things like, you know, drawing and painting and then understanding value and shape and form, composition, those kind of things. But I love then giving the kids chance to do mixed media for sure. Mm -hmm. um, whether even just with 2D that we explore all different kinds of, of mixed media to layer up and then to think about how those materials communicate um, emotion or meaning in different ways. And then if it's just a regular art class, like, so let's say art foundations or advanced art, um, mm -hmm. not like specifically 2D. I, I also, yeah, I'll have mixed media. We'll have ceramic work in there. We'll have paper mache, like 3D forms. Um, so I think it's really important to give kids a whole kind of range of experiences mm. because they'll connect with something. Um, and also different mediums also will inform each other. There'll be a back and forth um, that, that can happen sometimes, especially with, I find that with AP students, they're the ones that are working on kind of one concept for the whole year in a portfolio. So it's a, mm -hmm. it's a pretty, you know, intense kind of uh, endeavor. Um, and so sometimes they'll move back and forth from 3D clay pieces or sculpture and then into 2D. And it's just, it's interesting, but on the same theme and kind of with the same sort of imagery or, um, but yeah, it's really interesting to see these things go back and forth and build on each other as well. So 
it's very lively to be working with different kinds of materials. I think it, it yeah. yeah, get more ideas. It opens up more possibilities. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Oh, that sounds amazing. I wish you were my art teacher. <laughs> ah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So as a teacher, uh, which is, I feel like teachers aren't ever appreciated enough by um by the government, let's say, the people who should be funding and supporting them. Yeah. And especially yeah. being a teacher who teaches art, which again, um, art is something that is so integral and so important to people, but is often tossed aside and comes as a second thought. In the public school system, do you think that the kids are getting the funding and the support that they need uh, as a teacher? Oh, <laughs> um, <laughs> I there are definite challenges. Um, mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I've seen um, things get actually a lot harder over my 12 years of teaching. And I'm not the only teacher that would say that in any way. It's like kind of across mm-hmm. the board um, in multiple districts. Um, yeah, just that funding is more of a challenge. Um, and then also just sort of like the structure of the classes. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, meaning that like I used to have classes where it was definitely more separated between juniors and seniors, which it should be like um, mm-hmm. that C curriculum actually has different goals for them. And yet with numbers and, and different things, they sort of um, sometimes jam all different mm-hmm. together. And that's really that does a disservice to the kids, for one, and also to the teacher that is trying to meet people at such diverse um, learning like times in their learning and experience with the medium, you know, you'll have kids that have tons of experience because they've taken art classes a bunch of times and then a grade nine shoved in there that hasn't done art at all. And would also, and sometimes feels intimidated around the older kids. Um, So there's, yeah, there's, I feel there are more growing challenges. It, our jobs are harder. Um, Mm -hmm. And also just a note, like post pandemic, you know, kids are, they're struggling. I mean, everyone is struggling, but it really, the psycho, social, emotional toll that that took on kids um, in that time. And then kind of even just then coming back to school, um, we are still seeing the repercussions of that. I have so many more students with um, struggling with mental health issues or anxiety. Mm-hmm. Attendance is a huge problem. And um, I'm super nurturing. I used to also be a high-risk youth parent, like forever mm-hmm. ago before I became a teacher so my heart is for troubled kids um yeah. so it's a safe place in my room but it's just it's you see a lot more um struggle it's just kind of rampant um and so teachers are really we're still on the front lines of that I I described it recently to someone that we're still doing triage it doesn't look like it as much but it's it's happening and um and I feel like there's a little bit less support actually for teachers from maybe administration or definitely like kind of higher up level to mm-hmm. even recognize what we are um, needing to do in our classrooms, not just the curriculum, but but caring for these kids, helping them get through, um, supporting them emotionally. Um, yeah, there's a lot. It's a it's a big job. Um, yeah. yeah. And how do you think this would improve? Is there any way that people would be able to help? Or do you think this is something that would happen? Improvements, I'm talking about open happen Mm -hmm. over time uh, and with more attention from the higher ups. Yeah, I think that it seems that we're sort of headed. It's like public education is becoming more institutionalized in a way, like and and Mm -hmm. bureaucratic. Um, And we see that trickling down in how um, districts like the district's kind of expectations around things. I don't even know what it is sometimes. Sometimes it feels like it's just budget driven or mm-hmm. like, I don't know. Um, and so it's that. And then I just would hope that they continue to hire um, administrators because they are our bosses, the teacher's bosses mm-hmm. that that have a lot of empathy, that, that, mm-hmm. um, that aren't just sort of managerial because I've, seen there's a lot more of that and when you have people that are just sort of like manager mindsets but they're in charge of managing teachers who care for kids you know you need empathy you need caring leadership you need someone with a vision and who's open-minded and not just sort of budget or numbers or very um I don't know there's a we need leaders who have heart Mm -hmm. who can then take care of teachers who 
you know, teach with heart for the kids. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. So it needs to be a lot more holistic and not sort of business model thing. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. Those changes need to happen. We need to swing back towards more education as this like holistic kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm, okay. Yeah. Um, so I don't really know how to trans- transition out of this very That's serious okay. topic. We can just jump. We can jump around, yes, you know, I am jumping. Yes. Yeah. So going back to you as an artist, you mentioned that you do a lot of uh, sculptures and I feel like you have your own like style and your own sculptural voice now, which is great because I feel like artists often struggle to to find what their signature style is and it's so great that you have you know found yours so how would you describe your style well one phrase that I kind of I really simplified things uh recently when I was thinking about um my work but at a base level I make objects to feel with um Mm. So that is definitely something that's really important to me. Um, and the type of work that I do, um, it began in my master's. So like I said, I had a background in painting and photography. So when I entered my MFA um, in 2018, I um, I was actually doing work on environmental degradation and environmental grief. So nature has also been something that has been integral to me in my life. Um, I've just always had a deep connection to it. It's a place of wonder and healing and joy for me. So I spend a lot of time in nature. And then, um, so my interests really, they I was thinking a lot about environmental degradation, which I mean, how can we not in these days? So many artists are thinking about it and people in every kind of discipline are thinking about it. But so specifically, I actually was doing work in the beginning of my MFA on um, mining and tailings ponds. Tailings ponds are the wide open um, kind of treated water um, that's a lot of different industries use tons of fresh water for many different purposes. And then they'll treat it so it's not so toxic anymore, but it sits in these open, almost like lakes sometimes. They're just sitting open. And um, I was struck through some research just about um, bird populations that were migrating and they would land in tailings ponds and some of them were getting sick and dying. And so they weren't completing their migration cycles. Um, So I was doing 2D work on that. and, And then, but at the same time, I was still teaching a bit, but I, in the first year of my master's, I actually lost three people to cancer that I love. Um, actually, sorry, two people and my dog. Um, so three loved ones. Um, and that changed my practice. It altered it so much. I was going into nature a lot and, um, just trying to process, like just feeling like a bomb went off and I would like stare into darkened tree hollows. And, um, I started doing sculptures outside where I would burn wood. So, so I would burn the end of, of these like long pieces of wood. And then I would bring them out into the snow and kind of make these big, um, shapes where all of the burnt ends would create a circle in the middle of that kind of think of like a starburst kind of, or a sun shape in a way. Um, anyways, but the blackness was in the middle and I, took like charcoal and we'll put it in the middle and I would take these photos of these works and then drag it all back out um and I was they were kind of like these like ephemeral memorials in a way um and then I was also like burning wood and making my own charcoal and like drawing black circles on rocks and I I really I also felt very lost I didn't know what I was doing you know I'm just like grieving and teaching still and um so it was my grandmother that passed away my grandmother was my favorite person ever um she passed away right at the beginning of my MFA and then one of my high school art students passed away um he had been battling cancer for a year and he would kind of get better and then get sick again so he passed away then in the fall and then my wonderful newfie dog buddy who was like totally emotional support dog he was beautiful um he got cancer in that summer and so he you know, was sicker and sicker and uh, we had to put him down at Christmas. And so I was making work and doing my MFA, but starting to feel really lost. And for a while, Mm -hmm. I was still doing these bird paintings um, because the mine paintings had like birds in them, um, but they became black on black. Like they were like dire and I just felt so lost. And um, Mm -hmm. 
it wasn't until one day I, well, I actually had a conversation, which is really important with one of the faculty at the school who I knew really well. And I showed them all my work and I just said, I don't know what I'm doing anymore. Mm-hmm. And, um, and they said, you know, not everyone finds it in their MFA. And I was like, don't say that to me. Like I have put my whole life on hold for this, you know, <laughs> like it's a lot of money. It's, this is what I want to do. Please yeah. don't, you know, and a very goal oriented but then I, we were looking at all these pieces that I'd done and the documentation of these sculptures outside and um, different things. And then I, I said, I think this work is not about environmental grief anymore. I think it's about my own grief. And then we looked at the work for a minute and they said, I think you're right. And so then I, that moment of honesty was really important. I realized it was me with grief in my body, me um, navigating watching people I loved or creatures I loved um, be diminished through illness, like watching their bodies, um, Mm -hmm. you know, that was really painful. And so then I had to decide, do I want to tackle this idea of personal grief in my MFA? You know, like, is that, I didn't know how I felt about that at first because I didn't want it to be something that was like art therapy or it's all about me, but I don't think that way anyways. I'm a person that is deeply about community and empathy um, and also making space for people to share their stories or or come together with with either sorrows or joy. Um, and so then I thought, okay, I don't know, maybe I will do this work because who doesn't have grief? Who hasn't yeah. loss um, and in some way? And specifically with cancer, I mean, I feel like everybody's been touched by cancer in some way. So it wasn't just about me. Um, you know, this was a very human kind of uh, experience. And so... So a couple of things that unlocked my my practice going forward, though visually, was that one day um, I actually just had this like ponderosa pine that I had gathered and it falls off the trees and looks like it kind of looks like puzzle pieces. It's very delicate. And so I just like inked up a roller with paint and actually rolled over top of it on a, a white piece of paper. And then when I took it off, I had the negative imprint. So if you can imagine, it was black around the shapes and then they were white. And what hit me is that it actually looked like a tumor scan. Um, Yeah, like really hit me hard. And then I had some bark and I had um, inked up, this this is like kind of fragments of bark. And I inked up all the, the beetle lines that are in the back. They chew lines and patterns through the inside of bark. So I inked up that and just did like a rubbing of it with my hand with paper on it. And when I pulled that back, it looked like bones and mm. some of them looked like lungs. And it, it hit me all of a sudden that the things that I was looking at in nature, I wasn't just staring for no reason. There was actually this language that was there, this, this yeah. kind of intuitive language of the body um, and the fragile body. Uh, that that I could use, that I could use it in my sculptures and in my work. Um, so that's where this kind of this crossover of thinking with grief. So the processes of grief, um, like kind of moving through it and making it visible. I think about making like invisible things visible a lot. Um, mm-hmm. So death and grief and absence, they stay with us, but they're invisible there's nothing tangible there anymore and so I think about my sculptures as sort of putting a form around absence or around death or around um, loss that we carry with us and then also just thinking about these ideas grief through nature so nature we are a part of it we we just are you know Um, but that's why we can gather so much metaphor and meaning and hope through it so I think a lot about how nothing is ever wasted in nature um it like all death actually is this thing that can nurture new life so on one hand I think about the people or my dog um who I've lost and that they always are with me there's ways that my grandmother is still expressing herself through me now even though she's not with me anymore and that's a really beautiful thing and um and so making the work is a way to honor that and to think about going forward with loss or grief or pain as kind of a lively compost that you can make new with it. Um, so in nature, we see these things too, like nest forms. So the last few years, um, I've really been working a lot with nest forms because nests nests are cocoons. So it's kind of these transformative states, but that um, there's a material that's gathered that sometimes is like detritus, um, really like birds or creatures will make nests with anything, right? But you'll even Mm -hmm. find them with like plastic in them or strings and little bits of whatever. But they take all these random things and then they reform them into something new that can hold life again. 
And that really is a kind of an integral idea um, in my practice where I work with these nest forms and I think about my practice um, and, and what all of this means together that we can take, like I said, loss um, or grief and through art making, literally make it into something new. And, and I see the artwork as life-giving because when it's in the gallery and when I get to share it with people, people think about loss and grief in new ways. And it mm -hmm. also makes it spaces where people often share their own stories of loss with me. Um, and those can be sad stories. Sometimes they also share happy memories of people that they lost. So this is where the work lives on. And it's um, it's really beautiful. Like I said, my heart is for making these spaces too. And, um, mm -hmm. Empathy, creating um, yeah, places for people to really share their hearts. So they're objects to feel with um because I want people to feel we all feel um you know yeah. how do we not feel but sometimes grief is not actually kind of spoken about very much in our culture definitely like north you know I mean sorry like western kind of culture it's like it's sort of this box around it I mean I have people mm -hmm. that will ask me and say don't you think you want to move on from grief or does this sort of mean that you're not getting over it and I'm like that's such a narrow view of it it's not it's yeah. just it's an idea that um it's just so deeply human and we go through all sorts of cycles of different kinds of grief and change and moving forward and imagining yeah. new futures for ourselves um, in spite of whatever kinds of losses they are, you know? Um, so, it, and, and I love, I'm very interested in tension. Life is always full of, of sadness and joy, <laughs> you know, like mm -hmm. they're not separate, they're running at the same time. And so um, I like to tackle those things in my work too. And um so that's why it's a, yeah, it's a, a language that I'm really interested in, the, this language from nature. And, and yeah, I actually, it's, you know, I think about grief, but it is also kind of a very hopeful practice for me. Um, yeah. yeah. So it's definitely become a signature style. So a lot of my work, they're made with chicken wire often. Um, I'll build all sorts of frames or forms looking like natural things or sometimes like kind of um, exaggerated or, um, you know, I play around with scale a lot um, to confront the viewer's body or make them think about things in new ways. Um, and then I will put a surface treatment on the artworks, whether it's um, like layers of relief prints, like I've said, um, relief prints made from tree bark or lichen. Um, I have works that I did with a whole bunch of fabric um, that I collected from a free store. Actually, it was better than a thrift store. It was a free <laughs> store. So all this fabric and there was like blue tarp that someone was throwing out that was in that mixed media piece too. Um, I work with paper pulp a lot. So um, I'll make my own paper pulp and sometimes put different colors in it. Um, but all of the works also, so they sort of have a nest like, there's a nest like quality to them, but they also have voids in them. So that is definitely a language where I have holes in all of my work. So if they are solid pieces, they all have black voids in them, um, sometimes multiple or sometimes just one giant one. And that really for me is about, um, is about that loss that we carry with us and about mm -hmm. like when I sort of making that thing that is invisible visible um because yeah. we carry this darkness or sadness or grief with us but we also move forward so that void is really important to me to speak to that but then yeah it's not the work is not only about that you know yeah mm -hmm. as someone you said you like were making the invisible visible mm -hmm. and working with such well I guess concepts like you they're not you can't hold them you can't see them you just kind of know and feel what they are do you find it difficult to make it into something where people can see do you think it's challenging to be able to create something that not only you but others can also see that vision too yeah, I think um, I don't make the work with the idea of like, how can I make people think about this? It mm -hmm. definitely comes from a much more um, authentic, felt, intuitive space inside of me. Um, the thing that I found really beautiful over time is that this, like I say, I work with this language of nature, like the formal aspects of nature, all these recognizable things. So there's something kind of recognizable in a way to them and accessible. And yet the other things that I'm doing with the pieces with the black voids or, you know, the paper pod sculptures or things that look kind of torn and very fragile. Um, I'm thinking very intentionally about 
why I'm using these materials for myself, like what they mean. Why do I want to make these voids? Why do I want to make this sculpture just with paper shreds? Um, I'm thinking through all of those like visual and material cues and what they, what kind of meaning they convey. Yet I'm still just kind of making it, you know, from my heart and from my emotions. And then I put it out there and, um, and I do just want it to be something that people then respond to and however they want to. Um, you know, I love sharing about the work. And for me personally, I think that that's really valuable um, to share about it for people to understand your process or why you did those things. But I definitely would never want to um, narrow the reading of the work at all. Um, I, I've been really grateful that it does seem to be successful just in the way that at the very least people, people do mm -hmm. spend time with my work and they feel like they feel and, and, that's and great. at the very um, least, that's what I want them to do. But they also seem to feel kind of a bit because I am creating tensions or I'm creating, you know, kind of something that's making you curious or it's, it's not, it's definitely not just straight representational in any way. And so um, people do spend time wondering about the things, wondering about the black void, thinking about the fragility of the paper, um, thinking about the forms and um, it does capture them, which uh, is, that's really valuable for me as an artist, as a maker to know yeah. that I'm doing something with this intention and that it is reaching people. Um, one time uh, when I was at Emily Carr and I was working on these pod type paper sculptures, um, something that was really beautiful was that there were some like workers that were like construction guys that were doing some work in the building. And I had hung up my pieces. Um, they kind of look like large, yeah, kind of like paper pods, basically. Um, but they're made with a whole bunch of prints of like bark uh, and tree stumps. So they're very textural and then they have some negative spaces in them and there's lichen prints that hang from them. Um, and for me at that time, I was making work really about the fragility of our bodies and how they, they waste away. And there's this ghostly quality. Um, it was a very visceral experience for me to lose those loved ones and, and see cancer affecting their bodies. And so that really hit me. So this work was, was about that. Um, and there was this young construction guy, like, I think he was like 18 years old that came and was staring at the work. Um, it was installed. And he was staring at it and I walked up because I was going to be working on it a bit more. And he said, what's this about? And then I, I don't want to tell him. I'm just like, what do you think it's about? And he actually was looking at the forms and he said, well, he's like, I'm not an artist or anything. You know, he just wanted to say, oh, that's fine. You're a human. So what do you feel when you look at this? What do you think? Um, but he said, I'm not an artist or anything, but this makes me think of my mother and she has lung cancer. And it hit me and oh like, God. actually my eyes like filled with tears just, yeah. and then I told him this work is actually about people that I love and their bodies and how their bodies are changing um, because of illness and that fragility. And so like, it even makes me emotional now. I'm like, look, you yeah. know, there's, there's something there um, that's happening that that's really beautiful. Um, and even, you know, that this guy who didn't think he knew anything about art, he he looked at it, he thought it resonated. Um, yeah. That was really beautiful to share that moment with him too. So mm -hmm. <laughs> it's also very, it's very, um, art is very subjective, right? Even if you don't, as a viewer, even if you don't really, you know, I guess, see um, what the artist intended, you still get something out of it. Mm. It just makes you feel something different. <laughs> yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, as long as art can make you feel, then it's succeeding. <laughs> Absolutely. Like art really should be opening up a new way for us to think and feel. Um, yeah. And so, I mean, I have my reasons and intentions for why I make this work. But yeah, at a, at a baseline, it actually is just so beautiful that we can make things as humans to express deep experiences and put them out there and that other people can just respond to them as, you know, um, they respond with their bodies. Like, I mean, their bodies are going to have this kind of response to these weird giant forms. They're yeah. going to feel um, they're going to be curious about it. Um, it might make them ask questions or wonder. And I think that those are actually all just beautiful things. That's how we should be moving through the world, be like full of wonder, curiosity. Um, yeah. And so I'm okay if people don't, you know, understand the specific mm -hmm. thing at all. They can respond however they want to. And that is just really valuable. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. And if people want to, want to see your work, do you currently have any installation going on or 
um, is your studio open for visitors where they can view your work? Yeah. So, um, well, I'm on Instagram. So <laughs> it's yeah. Amberly Perkin Art on Instagram. Um, and oh, should I spell my name out so you guys know? Sure. That's, Go ahead. <laughs> it's just spelled differently. So it's A M E R L I E um, Perkin P E R K I N Art. Um, so that's me. Just look for the redhead with the giant wasp thing behind her. Um, <laughs> that is it. Um, the only installation that's happening literally right now is in Anchorage, Alaska. So um, mm. it's up for two months. So that's not. Uh, yeah, um, there's other things that are in the works. But my studio, I also um, I actually love studio visitors. I mean, this summer I'm here a lot if I'm not camping. And so people can reach out to me on Instagram. I also often um, participate in something called First Saturdays, um, and that is you can look up First Saturdays, and it's um, just a bunch of studios in East Van, and I think there's other areas that do them as well, but in East Van, you can look at the website, and you'll see what artists are um, signed up to have their studio open, and it's like 12 to 6 on the first Saturday of every month, um, and we have our big sign out the in the front a big red sign that says studio 116 and yeah people are just welcome to wander in and see the space which is also it's really exciting to see you know artists working and see everything all over the place the actual process that's happening and get to meet us so I love I love having visitors to my studio um yeah, yeah. so anyone who wants to come to that is welcome for sure wonderful and would you like to remind everyone when create arts festival is happening and when uh your workshop is happening as well the Create Arts Festival is happening on July 22nd. Um, yeah, you can look it up online. There might still be spots um, to sign up for workshops. I'm not totally sure, but mm -hmm. it shows you everything that's on there. Oh, this year we also have a new thing that's exciting, and I'm a part of it too. There, They'll be um, having sort of a small market as well where they're selling artist work. So I have a bunch of my pottery that's there, um, and there'll be many of the artists that are running the workshops there. Pieces will be there, um, 2D, 3D. So that's kind of a fun thing too. And there's also food trucks um, and like games for kids. There's a, It's a whole kind of community event. So um, lots to look forward to with that too. Amazing. Well, uh, thank you so much for joining me today. I really enjoyed talking to you and appreciate it. And hopefully everything runs smoothly at the festival. And I hope, yeah. yeah. Thank you so you much, Sarah. inspiring people Great. with your art. Yeah. Ah, thank you. That's my heart. <laughs> <laughs>